Hello, and thanks for tuning in to our Monday Night Godcast, an immersive and interactive discussion of the Bible. If you're listening to this right now, then I know for a fact that God has something for you. That's right, you. I'm glad you're here. Let's dive into God's Word and see what He has in store for us today. Welcome, everybody. It's crazy to think that the year is almost over. We got today and one more week of Bible study of 2022. Um, but it should not be the second to last time you open your Bible this year. <laughs> Anybody remember what we've been talking about recently? Hearing from God. Hearing from God. Then remember kind of uh, what kind of sense we were talking about it in last? We looked at it at a, a, like two or so different ways so far. First way was kind of like hearing from God what to do when you don't know what to do. Stopping us from hearing God. Distraction. So that's that's what we've been up. Yeah, distraction was the first part of you know what's what's stopping us from hearing from God. So now we're you know, we've been on um just kidding we haven't been on. Now we're on questions from God. Um, so we're gonna dig into questions that God specifically asked to man. So this week and next week we're going to be looking at that. Today we're going to be focusing on. Genesis. Genesis 3. So if you guys want to turn to Genesis 3, that's where we're going to be at for a little while. So if you want to turn to Genesis 3 for a moment. I've got something better. I've got something better than Ben points. I've got Snickers. Wait, so this is more than Ben points. This is more than Ben points. Depends on how many Ben points. I just like to point out I am keeping track of how many Ben points. Are you actually? I am. I'm a numbers person. Why wouldn't I? I'm keeping track of I've been getting bed points for 12 years. I stopped counting a long time ago. <laughs> All right, so I want to start out with a fun fact. Um, Is that all of it? what? A holla? If it was like the group text or something. Um, no, I have a fun fact. And then we'll get into a question where I'll, I'll give out Snickers to someone who, uh, who, who gets it. Did you know that Adam, of Adam and Eve, lived long enough to know Noah's father, Lamech? Lamech. That's probably how they say it. Lamech. So Lamech was able to hear Adam's eyewitness account of the Garden of Eden and tell it to Noah. So... Who was, who was one of the only eight survivors of the flood. So you got Adam, who was there for, you know, he was the original creation of man. He lived so long that he was able to tell his 
you know, his kids and his grandkids and his great grandkids and so on, up until Lamech, who was Noah's father. So Noah, who survived the flood, he heard the account of Adam straight from his father, who heard it directly from the source. Isn't that crazy? My question to you guys is, how old was Adam? How long, how long did he live? 930 years. Sorry, I was looking it up as you were talking. Cheater! Oh. <laughs> I, I would have probably came close to guessing it, but I would have been wrong. But I was like, oh, like I'm doing, I'm literally doing the subtraction right now to see how old he was when he talked to Lamech. Or whatever. Also, if you turn to Genesis 5, you would see That's that. That's what I'm looking at right <laughs> now. <laughs> I didn't have that the other day. I was like, but yeah, it's crazy. Um, Genesis 5, um, the whole chapter of Genesis 5 is all... Descendants of Adam, this is all genealogy, starting with Adam all the way to Noah. So you get a whole glimpse of from creation, from, from year zero of mankind being created, you can track, and actually, fun fact, I looked it up, as I'm, I like numbers also. This, this little Ooh. graph shows, it depicts, you know, from creation, how long each person's lifespan was, so you can actually see the overlap from Adam to Noah's father, Lamech. And it's really cool, really fascinating stuff. People lived super old. Um, Zach, keep your mouth shut for this next one. <laughs> Who was the oldest living person ever recorded? Methuselah. Boom. Come on. And that's all I'm saying. That's fair. And you had a researcher. But How old not... was he? 969. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He looked all right. like a whole Bible study. <laughs> <laughs> That's like one of the, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. It's a classic. So I, I just thought it was a fun fact also since we're going to be uh, talking about Adam today. Um, just that, you know, we, we think about, you know, stories being passed down over generations. I mean, you know, people, you know, the, the, the Jews were well known for their storytelling and for being able to pass stories down from generation to generation. But it's not even a matter a, a matter of, you know, being passed down like 20 generations, or it wasn't quite 20, but that many generations, it was, oh, you're listening to your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, because they lived, you know, almost a thousand years old back then. You're hearing it like straight from the source. It's, it's really, really cool. So, Genesis 3. We're going to be looking at... We're going to be reading 1 through 13 today. That's where we're going to be focused on the whole, the whole time. I want to start off by, we read it all together as a whole of what Genesis 1 through 13, what, what's going on, and then we're going to break it up. So does somebody want to just read the whole thing? It's only 13 verses. I'll take it. Go for it. Genesis 3, 1 through 13. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the servant, serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. 
Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed, sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Awesome. Thank you. All right. So we probably all have heard this story of, you know, the, the initial sin being introduced into the world. Hearing about Adam and Eve. We've probably all heard this since we've been, like, three years old, maybe even earlier. You know, hundreds of times we've probably heard about Adam and Eve. But we're really going to dive into... You know, this is, you can't hear more from God than physically hearing God and walking with God in that moment. So, we're going to look at what did God say. So, the question from God, there, there are a few questions in this part of the chapter so far. The very first question ever asked, recorded in the Bible, was not from God. It was from the serpent. And what was that question? Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Yeah. The very first question recorded in the Bible is, Did God really say... The first question from God was, what? Where are you? Hmm? Where are you? So, anybody ever... So... So first, what happens in the beginning part of chapter 3? First few verses. Uh, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Yep, we got a, we got a crafty, deceiving serpent here. We got him starting to, to make... Uh, make Eve question what God really said. And then in verse uh, 8. Hold on. Um, yeah, verse 8. Adam and his wife, the man and his wife, heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. I've kind of touched on this part before of when you're familiar with someone or you're familiar with certain people, you can tell that it's them without even having to see them, right? Just by their footsteps. One person might walk heavier. One person might like walk lighter. One might have a, a longer stride. One might have a shorter stride. You can tell people by the way they come down the stairs, right? You hear, you know, versus... You can tell who's coming down the stairs a lot of the time when you, when you know someone intimately. So they heard God, and plus these are the only two people right now, so they hear someone walking, they're like, who is that? Oh yeah, it's the only person here. They're like, wait, Adam, Eve? Oh yeah, it must be God. It could be others by then, but anyway. They hear God walking, so they hide. Why did they hide? 
They weren't supposed. Oh well, I was gonna say they weren't supposed to be there, but same kind of similar what you said. Also, um, there in verse seven, uh, they were naked. Mm -hmm. Their eyes were open, and they they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they weren't they weren't showing off to God as it came by like God look what we did we we made some we sewed together some stuff we put we found some fig leaves and like we you know look what we made look isn't this cool like now we're we're covered up they were ashamed they're like we weren't supposed to do this and now we gotta hide so God asked a question in verse nine where are you. Why would he ask this? Isn't he God? Doesn't he know where they're at? Yes. Yeah. So I was going to say, because Lighthouse did this a while ago. Oh, yeah? He said, God asked him, where are you? And he was like, well, why would God ask that? Because he knows where they are. He knows where they are. But he means, like, I think mentally and spiritually, like, where are you? Mm -hmm. And I liked that a lot when they said that. It made more sense to me. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I don't see this as God being a... You know, as like an interrogation, a commanding officer being like, where were you? Where were you the night of, you know, the first day of creation? Tell me where were you? Because something happened. There's one less apple on that tree, one less fruit. Where were you? No, it was, where are you? What are you doing? What are you up to? And he knows the answer. He knew the answer before he even asked it, but he asked it anyway. It was more so the, the heartfelt cry of an anguished father. Where are you? What are you doing? He obviously knew what they were doing. He knew that they were hiding. He knew why they were hiding. He knew what they, he knew what they did. But he also knew that a chasm has just been created between him and man. A chasm that he himself would have to bridge. The parable of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16, 19 is exactly describing what happened here. It's a parable describing how, um, you know, a rich, it's not the same Lazarus of Lazarus who was raised from the dead, but it's a parable of a man who died and is in hell and is in anguish and can, re can, can see, which is it's a parable, you can't see from hell to heaven or vice versa. In, but in the parable, they could. And the man in hell is saying, I'm in anguish. Let me let me let me go back just for a moment so that I can I can warn my family. And God's like They didn't listen to the prophets, they didn't listen to others, they're not gonna listen to you. It, it, it's not gonna make a difference, you know, but it's there's this this great chasm that can't be that can't be bridged by anything other than God himself. So this question, where are you? Exactly, it's more of a, of a, where are you at? Where are you at spiritually? What are you doing? What's happening? What is it that just made you do this? It was meant to awaken Adam's sense of being lost. It was made to lead Adam to confess his sin, to express God's sorrow over man's lost condition, to show that God seeks after the lost, and to express the accountability man had before God. I have a few Charles Spurgeon quotes because 
He's smart. He is smart. He's a smart guy. He he said things very well articulatedly. See? No, no, no. I don't know if that's a word. It's not. I just created it. Huh? Articulately, what did I say? Articulately. I'm not, I'm not mad at it though. I like it. I'll take it as like a, a present past tense. That's not a thing either. Now it is. So God's question demanded an answer. Where are you? They couldn't refuse to answer God in the same way that a criminal could just keep silent when questioned, right? So here, here's his quote. In our courts of law, we do not require men to answer questions which would incriminate them, but God does. And at the last great day, the ungodly will be condemned on their own confession of guilt. Wow. Right, because we're told that we're all going to have to have to speak in account for everything that we've done, right? Every good thing, every bad thing. Actually, Ecclesiastes 12.13 says, God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. And that's the whole story. And here's my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. That's Ecclesiastes 12.13-14. And to pair along with that, Romans 14.10-13, Every knee will bow, every tongue confess. Every knee that knows Christ, every tongue that knows Christ, will confess. Nope. Every knee, whether they believe in God or not, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. Where are you? What are your thoughts so far, before I go any further? tracking I I it I, I track more with that like uh, it's not a rhetorical question but it's a rhetorical question kind of thing of like obviously God knows the answer um, I also believe I think it's interesting because I've always thought that I think the serpent knows the answer too right um, like he's intentionally asking a question he knows he's going he knows the answer to saying like did God really say you can't eat food from the trees, fam? Like, that's the way he's asking that question. And then she's like, no, of course not, or whatever. And he's like, and he's like, oh, so like you can't eat from that tree? Like, why not? Like, he's, he's, oh, that's not the reason he doesn't want you to eat from that tree. This is the reason. And, yeah. Also, I have always thought it tremendously interesting that... There's no part in there that Eve goes, huh, it's like Snake with Legs is talking. Like, that just leads me to believe animals could talk back in the day. That's just all, that's the conclusion that I've always come to, is that animals could talk. Because she's not, like, surprised at all. So, yeah, that's my conclusion. I'm sticking to it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, this is, it's so profound but like you only fully understand all of this and 
you can get close actually you still gotta like every day seek hear god's word and listen to to him and like build your relationship with him to understand you know these things so that our tiny limited human brains <laughs> can understand but like the thing about um you know every knee will bow every tongue will confess um and like I had a conversation with a patient last week. Um, I found out that he he was Brazilian too, and it was funny. But anyway, just had the point. Um, so he was, as I was talking to him, and then we got into like some Jesus conversation too. And then he was saying that like um, some people that have died, they um, it they it's not their fault that they haven't heard about God or they haven't heard about salvation. And so, like, they get to go to heaven. They get a free pass. And when, like, these kinds of conversations come up, at first, like, I personally get a little bit caught off guard. But then, like, the more I think about it, it's like, no, they don't get a free pass. Because there's other ways that, you know, God, like, reveals himself to us. It's not just through somebody physically coming to you and saying, hey, this is salvation. This is me here like what are you doing where are you why aren't you you know like why why don't you have a relationship with me yet no you can look at nature and you know just have these thoughts of like why this why that and why are these birds like flying around do they have food and so on but it's just so cool like to think about that and how people can like convince themselves that you get a free pass to to this and that's not it you know very interesting and we gotta be prepared for mm. those types of conversations it's very difficult and I confess I get caught off guard sometimes but we the more we go into here mm. you know well we need to have God's word at the tip of our tongues the more we talk to people the more you realize people have some messed up theology mm. and they heard one thing online or they heard a friend tell them this or that and people can believe that of oh no you know you can get into heaven also by doing this uh-uh this very clearly says there's one and only way there's no there's no other way it's important to note truth versus lie how do you know what the truth is? If how can you, how can you tell apart a lie if you don't know the truth? Did God really say you can't eat or even touch it, or you'll die? So he's just he's just starting to pick. He's starting to pick apart truth to twist it into a lie to to deceive. So what's the truth? Let's look at Genesis 2, 16 and 17. Let's see what God really did say about it. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat this fruit, no worries, dude, it's all right. You are sure to die. 
Oh, Gothor <laughs> says, if you eat this fruit, you are sure to die. But did he really say that you'll die? Are you sure? I think you'll be alright. God just knows that you're going to be like God if you eat this. That's what he really meant. You just didn't understand. God was really just saying, don't eat it because I don't want you to be like me. You're not really going to die. So it's alright. No problem. It's all good. Just one bite. Are you sure he didn't say if you eat the entire thing, so just eating one bite is okay? I think that's what he really meant. Don't finish it. Just take one bite. Hmm. What if you just touch it? You don't have to eat it. Just touch it. I don't even touch it. Just, just, just get real close. Just pretend you're eating it. And once you're there, well, you might as well just do it. Right? It's easy. It's easy to just pick apart, to take something that you know is truth, and to change your mind, to be deceived. No, God said, if you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. There's an if, and there's a then. If you eat, then you die. You can eat anything else in this entire place, just not this one thing. But you know, we think, dang, these, that Eve was so easily deceived, you know, come on, she should have known what was better. But if I, I'll give her one benefit of the doubt in this. They were in a trusting position because they've never been deceived before. Right? Adam and Eve have never been deceived before until this moment. There was no lie told on earth yet. They were perfect. They were sinless. Adam and Eve had never sinned until they were deceived. That doesn't mean they're in the clear because there's a benefit of the doubt. But the serpent tries to make God look like the liar. And they were in a trusting position because they were never deceived before. They've never been told a lie. So why did they eat it? Why did she eat it? What do you guys think? According to her, she was deceived. Mm -hmm. Alright, let's get into that. But according to him, he gave it to her. Mm -hmm. So deceit. Is it a sin to be deceived? No. And then back that up by biblical fact. I don't think, I just don't think it is. No. Um, I don't, I don't think it's a, uh, I think there are plenty of examples in specifically around like, um, <clears throat> Old Testament events. Like there are so many stories throughout of good guys getting deceived, bad guys getting deceived. Um, I don't believe that part to be a sin. It doesn't nullify the consequences of the actions that you make even though you're deceived no. um, there are plenty of good examples um, of that the one I'm thinking of off the top of my head is not a perfect fit but we're going to run with it because I'm already thinking it, Go for it. Um, is uh, David and Uriah and Bathsheba of like David's like the the consequences of Uriah was deceived but by like no, there's no way 
he wasn't deceived, right? He didn't know about David's affair, at least as far as we're aware. He wouldn't even go back to his wife, whom David had already gotten pregnant at this point, right? Um, and so he was, he was trying to get Uriah to go back to his wife so that he'd think it was his kid, was the whole thing, the act, art of deception or whatever. Um, but he wouldn't even do that, and so he ended up sending him off to the front line so that he would die, right? That's the whole story. And then kid dies, the whole thing. That, well, that's part of the consequences, is that, first of all, Uriah faces the consequences still of being deceived um, because he doesn't know that David is currently the bad guy at this point in the story, right? Um, is, is not doing something right. So he still has to face the consequences of being deceived. Um, and David has to face the consequences of being the deceiver, um, which I would say that part would be the sin, is being the deceiver. But being deceived, I do not believe to be a sin. What would you define being deceived as? Either by your definition or if someone wants to look it up. I actually didn't go this far to look it up, but <laughs> I'm just curious. What, or if someone just say something before they look it up, what's your definition of being deceived? First thing that comes to mind is like being tricked. Being tricked? Yeah. Believe, my, my thought would be believing false information and mm -hmm. delivered yeah. by somebody else. Believing false information as truth. As truth, as delivered by somebody else. Mm -hmm. okay. Well, I guess you could be deceived by your own, yourself. You know what? Just be, <laughs> believing false information. I'm just going to run with that go. for now. So believing yeah. a lie is As if it's the deceived. truth. Yeah. Believing a lie as though it's the truth is to be deceived. Yeah, something wrong. That's currently what I'm writing. I can, I can go with that. Did anybody look it up by chance? Or I did. Go for it. What does it say? So it came up as deception, but I'll... Is this the Merriam-Webster, or is this the... Wikipedia. I'm just Wikipedia. Uh, it says, deception or falsehood is an act or statement that misleads, hides the truth, or promotes a belief, concept, or idea that is not true. It is often done for personal gain or advantage. Deception can involve dissimulation, propaganda, and sleight of hand, as well as distraction, camouflage, or concealment. All right. Can someone look up... Romans one twenty five. This might help a little bit. Romans what? One twenty five. I have it. They ex and they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. They traded the truth about God for a lie. I'd say that's being deceived. They traded the truth about God for a lie. Here's the truth, straight from God. Here you go. I'll take what you're giving me as the new truth. That's being deceived. Okay, well then I would argue that would be a sin. Obviously, I feel like that's trading us, obvious. trading God's truth yeah. for a lie. If if the definition of deception is that you have to trade out the truth, like no, either consciously or subconsciously. I guess no. You know what? Now I'm jumping more on this train. <laughs> I'm jumping more on this train of making. It's making more and more sense to me uh, that like being deceived because because we do know the truth. Mm. Like we don't have an excuse. Like we know the way, the truth, and the life. We don't have. Yeah, it's kind of like that really, you know that character from a movie that you really, really like, 
but like makes one wrong decision and it costs them mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. gravely. Um, yeah, that's like what it, what I'm thinking of of like that's like the Adam Eve situation. I feel like especially and maybe it's our situation too, but it's like a oh man like you you trusted the wrong person, you yeah. believed the wrong thing, um, whether it was because you were too. Um, naive at the time or whatever um, or whatever it is it doesn't it doesn't really matter um, and I don't know all the answers to your point with the who knows what and like how God reveals himself to everybody else uh, or how does it work before Jesus came and when in the Old Testament and stuff and like who which one of the listen I don't know the answers to those questions and honestly it's not my job to know the answer to those questions the like my my job is to obey the truth that has been conveyed right and so like that's kind of all right i'm done thanks for going to my ted talk just curious (laughs) just curious since since it took one just that line from romans 125 zach i think you changed your mind from being deceived is not a sin to it is a sin maybe or based i don't know yeah i i think I'm I'm more on board with it specifically because the truth is Jesus. And so we can't... I'm just curious, just to get a general feel. I'm not saying there's a definite right and a definite wrong. I'm just curious your guys' thoughts because I struggle with this a little bit. I, I was like, is being deceived a sin in itself? Or is it what you do from being deceived, that's the sin? But I think, I think it's one and the same because once you have traded in the truth... You've now got a lie, mm-hmm. and you don't just do nothing with it. You usually act on it. Yeah. Just, just curious. A show of hands if you think, I'm not judging or counting, just curious, like, if you think being deceived is a sin. It, I'm on both. I'm on both right now. <laughs> I, I'm still... I'm, yeah. I'm thinking, like, okay, if, if Adam and Eve were deceived... To only the extent of, I'm just going to trade in this this truth for this lie, but they did not eat the mm. thing. So they just listened to what the serpent said and was like, okay, well now I believe in this, in this lie that she just told me. But they don't act on it. So they are being deceived. <coughs> but like, how how do you say if that's a... You know, sin or not, if they didn't take any action, and they just right. think they just leave that those thoughts and whatever, you know, those beliefs now in their heads. What if, what if, what if this is how it played out to to that effect? What if this is how it played out? What if the serpent said, "Did God really say you can't eat or even touch the fruit?" No, He just doesn't want you to eat it because then you'll, you'll be, be like you'll be like God, right? That's what He said. What if they said, hmm, all right, I get on board with that. Here you go. Here's my truth. I'll take that, right? Okay. So they've been deceived, but they haven't Mm -hmm. acted on it yet, Mm -hmm. right? They didn't eat the fruit. Let's just say hypothetically they didn't eat the fruit yet, but they traded. Mm -hmm. They traded the truth for the lie. But now, they're walking around. God goes, morning, Adam, morning, Eve. Hey, God, how's it going? Stupid jerk, not letting me eat that apple. I won't eat that apple. Hey, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Um, name some animals today, like you asked me to, because you said so. Jerk. You name the animals yourself. You made them. You name them today. 
And then the next day, they're going around and they're cultivating the field and just every, every pluck of whatever, they're picking some fruit. God's a jerk. God hates me. Doesn't want me to be like him. He thinks he's better than me because he's God. He sucks. But I didn't eat the fruit. I think it makes it, like, even if you don't act upon it, it makes you start to slowly hate God without realizing it. So I would say it's a sin in that context. Yeah, so it's, like, all about what you do with mm -hmm. those thoughts. But I never outwardly said anything to God, and I never ate the fruit. Yeah, but I don't know that it's about the outward saying, but I also don't know that it's not. Because, like, you're still, so they're, they're still acting. If you do that, you're not acting in obedience, right? Uh, part of acting in obedience. But I is obeyed not, him and didn't eat the fruit. You obeyed that command. Yes. Uh, what I'm saying what is. Were there at the time? Calm down. There are none. <laughs> <laughs> I need you. To, I need you to ride with me for a minute. What? What I'm personally and now I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> but like so. <laughs> hold up. Hold up. Hold up. First Peter two. I think I had something here. Um, hold please. Cabe. I was about to go on like a full roll. Uh, I want to hear God. what London has to say. He's been go trying for the past two oh, minutes. Oh, I didn't go Please. For it. Go for it's it. killing Please me. Please do. Um, okay, so I have a couple of thoughts. Um, so one of them, um, going to the, the passage in Romans, um, uh, earlier in the section uh, talks about how... Um, uh, yeah, at the end of verse 20 here, it says the people are without excuse. Um, and it talks about, um, for although they knew God, they never glorified him nor gave thanks to him. Um, and, and 24, it says, therefore God gave them over into their sinful desires. So it kind of goes back to what you were saying before about how like, people can deceive themselves, almost. Um, so, like, it, it, and if you're deceiving yourself, like, and God was like, okay. And he gave them over to their sinful desires, and mm -hmm. it was sinful. Um, and then my second thought was um, uh, about looking at the, looking at the, um, at a different way. Like, if Adam and Eve, they, like, believed the deception of the serpent and didn't act on it. Um, but like sin is described or yeah, sin's described as something that separates us from God. If we believe a deception, that's also separating us from God because mm -hmm. we're believing a lie. We didn't eat the fruit, but we're still separated from God because of that deception. So I think it is sinful to be deceived, which isn't fair really, but Sin's not fair. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, like I tied it. <laughs> you were gonna say whatever. Everything you just said was way better than whatever I was gonna say <laughs> in my little. <laughs> better articulated in mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you articulated. So I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna venture to say I might not be 100% accurate, but I think I may have come to the conclusion that with Adam and Eve here, with, with starting with Eve of being deceived, the problem comes when we fail to see that being deceived is a sin in itself. Mm -hmm. That it's a sin to exchange the truth of God for a lie, as it said in Romans one twenty-five. That being deceived is saying, this sounds true. 
Why does it sound true? Because you don't know the actual truth. Mm -hmm. If you don't know the actual truth, that means you don't know God. And that's separation from God. Separation is the sin. Sin is the separation. What's up? I've got uh, the passage I was looking for. Okay. If you want to. Go for it. It's a little bit... It, it, I just find it interesting. So uh, Peter is talking about false prophets and teachers. Second uh, Peter chapter 2. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because from of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in other greed they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Verse 4. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others, whom when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes he, re he condemned them to extinction, making them making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting the righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. And especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. So, like, I think that pretty well sums up, like, don't get got. Like, you, you have, you have the ability to have the truth. And, like, people, Noah, um, Lot, have had access to the truth and can know the truth. They have been capable of it, um, and they were able to do it. You can also. Yeah, that's good. That's cool. So, you know, you're saying that one of your patients said of, oh yeah, you know, if you, you know, if you never heard the name of Jesus, you get a free pass to heaven. I'm not God to judge, but that sounds like sin by saying that, or by believing that, because that means you've either traded the truth or you don't know the truth. And Jesus is the truth. To say... To hear Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And to say, oh, but Jesus, there was actually a second except. Except through me. I mean, only through me. Unless you just never heard of me, then you're fine too. No, that's being deceived. That's not the truth. That is trading the truth for only through me to, there you go, don't need that, I'll take this. Only through me or unless you never heard of me is fine, and then you can come to the Father, either through me or by never hearing of me. Yeah. That would be deceit. And I think in this day and age with, like, social media and a lot of, like, movies, TV shows and everything, like, not that I'm saying it gives people an excuse to, like, go into the deceiving, but, like, TikTok, there's a bunch of people who claim to be Christian on there. Now, some of them are. But you can never know who is true and who is false. And I think, especially if they're new to the Christianity, you know, they look, because I look at some of them and I'm like, hmm. And it makes me question, I'm like, are, are they just, is that how they perceive that? Or is, are they just telling people that so they can, like, believe it that way when it's not the right way? And I think, especially when there's a lot of new Christians coming about, and a lot of them are younger. 
like I, I see a lot of people like in this generation that are a lot younger that are trying to learn about Jesus, but they're doing it through social media, yeah. and I don't think it's the correct way. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people are can be false prophets, or they interpret things differently, or the wrong way, or they are just out there just to deceive people. So I think that's where a lot of the struggle comes from, and where you know people should actually read the Bible. But I know some people don't know to read the Bible if they're a new Christian. So that's where yeah. I think a lot of the deceiving in this day and age, and people believing like a lot of different things and I think it's also why Christianity like a lot of people don't like it because they've been told so many different things by so many different people mm -hmm. which yeah there's this, this, this all reminds me of a Casting Crown song called Slow Fade I'm going to just read a few <laughs> lyrics of it it's what a great, great song, song. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see it's the second glance that ties your hands as darkness pulls the string be careful little feet where you go, for it's the little feet behind you that are sure to follow. And the main chorus, it's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray. And thoughts invade, choices made. A price will be paid when you give yourself away. People will never crumble in a day. And it just goes to show, you accept one, you, you trade in one truth for one lie, that's a slow fade. Because then the next day, the next week, you trade in another truth and take in another lie in its place, you're fading. You're trading, as the song said, black and white for no and yes to, well, maybe, maybe it's okay. It's a little gray area. You got a thought? Oh. All right, let's move on. This is, this is really good, guys. I, I enjoyed... I enjoyed us all walking through that together, talking that out. So, God asking, where are you? He didn't ask because they didn't know where they were. He asked because they needed to see clearly where they were. They needed to confront the consequences of their disobedience. What was God's next question after that? If you look at verse 11 of Genesis 3. God's second question. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were naked? Did God know the answer? Yes. What was the answer? You is naked. It doesn't specifically say you know, yeah. the serpent or whatever told him that. Yeah. But it was, it was from eating that, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they discovered that. Then God asked another question. What's that? Also in verse 11. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Does God know that answer? Yes. Yeah. All right, what about God's next question in verse 13? What is this what have you, you done? done? What have you done? Does God know that answer? God's asking a lot of a lot of questions that he knows the answer to. I think that's even true for us. Like, he may not like obviously physically ask, but like he could ask us all of these questions, especially the where are you. He could ask us this today and it like would take you back like, yeah, where am I? What have I done? What am I doing? Like it kind of snaps you back to that reality of like whatever you were just doing a minute ago wasn't 
glorifying me. So, like, you need to come back and, like, I remember from our sermon, he even says to, like, you even ask yourself, where are you? Like, mm-hmm. to help you snap back to that reality, yeah. help you snap back to, like, whatever you're doing is not of you and it's not glorifying Jesus. So you need to take a minute to rethink everything and then ask, like, where you are. And then so that way you can get back on the right track of diving into the word, glorifying Jesus, and showing people that you love like Jesus. Yeah. I, I think immediately of a little kid, like very little kid, getting into a tub of paint or something, you know? And you, you see videos on social media and stuff of it all the time, you know? And you'll see the parent coming in, they're recording, like, look at this mess, and then they're about to confront the kid. What are you doing? And the kid stops. And they kind of like, what am I doing actually? Like, whoops, I guess this is wrong that I'm doing this. And then they kind of look up like, am I in trouble? What are you going to do? Yeah, I think I shouldn't have been doing this, right? That is exactly what's happening here. God's like, and the same is like saying to a little kid, don't eat that jar of cookies until after dinner. And then the parent walks away. They start eating the cookies and they hear the footsteps. And they're like, one last bite. What are you doing? No <laughs> Right? It's exactly what's happening. You don't, they didn't know where they were until God asked, where are you? I find it interesting in verse 11 that God asks two questions, one after the other, without giving much room for them to respond. Um, even though he knows the answers to it, but like it's that reality check we're talking about, you know? Okay. And how did they respond when he asked those two questions? He said, he asked, who told you you were naked? How, and have you eaten from the tree of fruit that I command you not to eat? And what was the response in 12? He doesn't even answer the question. Just uh-huh. the yeah. <laughs> and he, he's directing this question to Adam. He yeah. said, um, but here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree. Who told you you were naked? The Lord asked, Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, What? The First of all, you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. It was the woman who gave me, who gave me the fruit and I ate it. What are you doing? Why are you eating that? Who told you you were naked? The woman you gave me. She gave it to me. I, I just ate it. So what did he just do? Put blame. I think he's blaming. He's like, point finger. Do you think he just blames the woman, or does he blame God too? If I had another Snickers right now, I'd give it to him. That is exactly the next point. By saying the woman whom you gave to me, Adam essentially blamed God for the sin by saying, you gave me the woman, she's the problem. It wasn't, Adam wasn't content to just blame Eve, he had to blame God also. He wasn't like, look, God, it's not my fault, it's her fault, but you're the one who gave me her. You gave me the woman. You gave me the woman, the woman was the problem here, you gave the problem to me, God. I didn't do it, it's your fault, God. It's her fault, it's your fault, not my, I'm the only clean one here, God. I'm, I'm innocent. Here's another quote by Charles Spurgeon. 
He was guilty of unkindness to his wife and of blasphemy against his maker in seeking to escape from confessing the sin which he had committed. It is an ill sign with men when they cannot be brought frankly to acknowledge their wrongdoing. This is where I was going to tie it in, uh, of what we already talked about. The problem comes when we fail to see that being deceived is, is a sin in itself, a sin to exchange the truth of God for the lie. But it all ties in. It's all the same occurrence here. Thoughts, comments, questions? Definitely true for us, too. Like, whenever something, like, happens or we've been deceived or we're sinned. Most, I mean, not all the time, but most of the time we always are like, why God? Like, we blame him immediately. We don't even always take accountability of our actions. And I think that's exactly what, you know, Adam did. He was like, no, nah, it was all you. It wasn't me. It's not, I'm, I'm perfect. When that's not true, God, God doesn't make us sin. Like, that's all us. So, like, I think that's just showing us, hey, you need to take up accountability of your sins and you need to repent. I think he was trying to give Adam the opportunity to repent for his sins, but instead he took it as, let's just blame everyone but myself. It's definitely an, an eye-opener to, you know, read this and, you know, the questions here, and we've covered it very well, that, you know, the where are you... And hits back on that again, and like you said, Yana, with two questions right off the bat in eleven, and then twelve, he doesn't really answer the question. He just kind of takes the not direct route. I would say scenic route. I guess he kind of diverts away from you know what those two questions were asked. So um, yeah, it's definitely like I said, eye opener to you know, check ourselves and really go back to get this stuff is the gateway to get us back onto track. So, I like this. This is good stuff. Fun little uh, extra bonus here. Who who did Adam say who did, who did Adam blame first? The woman, it was the woman you gave me. In my translation, mm -hmm. I think. The woman you gave me. He didn't say Eve. She wasn't named Eve until verse 20. Then the man, Adam, named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. And Eve being uh, a Hebrew term that means to give life. So her name wasn't even, she wasn't even named yet at that point. It was just the woman. The woman you gave me. It's just a fun little bonus in there. Anyway. And then, last, last verse of what we're going through with 13 here. So, first, God was directing those two questions to Adam. Why, uh, who told you that you were naked, and um, did you eat of the fruit I told you not to eat? And then Adam was like, well, you know, it's the woman you gave me. 13, then God asked the woman, what have you done? And what's her response? Serpent deceived me, and I ate. The serpent, deceived, the serpent deceived me, that's why I ate it. She, she took it to blame. She, she was like, I was deceived. She was a little bit pushing the blame. Serpent deceived me, but I ate it. That's why. That's why I did it, because I was deceived. But by what we just worked through here, that was her sin of trading the truth for the lie. 
I want to look back at verse eight. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. The next three words. So they hid. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And God called out to them, Where are you? Who was hiding? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were hiding. Who was seeking? God. God was seeking. So it's important for us to understand that man hid from God, not the other way around. God didn't hide from man. And if God is the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow, God also doesn't hide from us today. So okay, let me play devil's advocate here for a second. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. Anybody know it offhand? I'll give you a Snickers later if you know it offhand. <laughs> what was the question? Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. It's right after eleven. <laughs> That's the one I know. I owe you a Snickers or Reese's, either one. If you seek me, you will find me. Is that what it says? What does it say? Ha <laughs> ha! Wholeheartedly. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you might find me, right? No, what does it say? Say it again. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you might find me. You will find me. Are you sure? Are you sure? God didn't say you might find me? That's the you sure don't want to trade in it? This is a real shiny one here. It's easier. <laughs> you want to trade? You want to hold on to that one? That's what you do. When it's something that looks nice, looks shiny. All I gotta do is look for you a little bit, and I, I'll find you. No, that's not what he said. If you look for me wholeheartedly, what does that mean? Wholeheartedly. All in. All in. I feel like that's that's probably the one word you probably use in its own definition. I'd say wholeheartedly with your whole heart. <laughs> if you look for me with your whole heart, you will find me. That is a promise. That is a promise from God that you can take to the heavenly bank and cash it in for truth. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. So why do we have to look why do we have to look for God who's not hidden? If he's not hiding, if man was the one hiding, and man's the one hiding today, not God, why do why is it on me? Why do I have to look if he's not even hidden? Because you're being deceived. Okay, what else? <clears throat> I think about uh, like he he desires to have that relationship with us. So gotta continue looking in here and seeking in here <laughs> so that we can find him <laughs> yeah so who are we that we can find an infinite God in our limited abilities who are we to find a God with unlimited abilities 
right? Who am, who am I, then, a man created to find God, the only God, who is uncreated, who just is? Who, how can I find, how can I search the entire earth, all the heavens, all the skies, all the galaxies, how can I search the entire universe and find a hidden God who doesn't want to be found? I can't. Even if I had a lot more power than what I do, I can't find a God who is hidden. But what I can find, what I can look for and find, what I can look for, I can look wholeheartedly for God and not find him if he wasn't there or if he didn't want to be found. But that's not what God says. He said, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. Why? Because he's revealed himself to us. He's chosen to reveal himself to us. If he didn't choose to reveal himself, then there's nothing that we could do that would allow us to find him. And at the same time, he can only make himself known to people whose mind and character are in the right condition. That's why he spoke of people having to seek him with all their heart. So I can't go looking for someone who's not there because I'm not going to find anything. But if, he, if he's revealed himself and said, here I am, look for me, you'll find me. As long as I look for him with all my heart, I'm going to find him because he's chosen to reveal himself. If God didn't want to be found, we wouldn't find him. But he wants to be found, so he said, just look for me. Look for me wholeheartedly. You'll find me. I promise. I think definitely in our darkest times, it's like if we need to find him, we will find him. And I think we need that reassurance. And if we're, you know broken or needing you know that guidance that's what he's there for and he does that he shows himself he really revealed himself definitely as we're you know approaching christmas i definitely get reminded of that every year that i always look back luke the story of luke always fascinates me every year that it's like you know he did all this for us gave us his son and you know died on the cross resurrected three days later all that ties it all back so it's really fascinating that if we miss that, you know, what, who are we? It's basically back to that where are us question that we've honed in well on. <clears throat> cool. Any final thoughts? Anything before we wrap up? Yeah. Uh, today, I, I don't, I forget why I was looking into Jeremiah, actually. Um, oh, I think I just wanted to know the context of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. that a lot yeah. of people say all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I thought it was cool that um, in my little filament app here, it says, Through Jeremiah, the Lord reminded the exiled people that if they would look for him wholeheartedly, they would find him. The exile taught the Israelites to reject false gods and give their wholehearted devotion to the Lord. It also gave them a new commitment to the revealed word of God. And they gave a reference of Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6. It says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Um, so, it's like, you know, they were forced out of a place, but God is giving them hope, like, keep seeking me, keep looking for me, and look at me for guidance. Um, and this way, like, you'll be able to, you know, 
um, have the wisdom to know who to reject false gods, like it's saying here, to, you know, um, not fall into temptations, not fall into trading, you know, that truth for that very delicious lie or whatever, very appealing lies. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like the more our focus is here on God, everything else it won't matter because we know to just focus here um or should take here mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> that's oh, it good awesome so i want to i guess just leave just just want to leave that thought for you guys of if god were to ask you personally right now where are you each one of us knows that, what that means to us. Where are you? Where are you? What are you up to? Just, just to think about, you know, how do we answer? God, you know where I'm at. I'm right here praising at your feet. If God were to ask uh, Mary, as we read in John, Mary, where are you? I'm right here, Lord. I'm 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 worshiping at your feet. I'm I'm wiping my hair on your feet with my tears, my perfume. God, that's where I'm at. Martha, where are you? I'm over in the kitchen. I need help, God. Hey, Ben, where are you? Jackie, where are you? Haley, where are you? Zach, where are you? Kayla, where are you? Elizabeth, where are you? London, where are you? Yannick, where are you? Matt, where are you? McCabe, where are you? How do we answer? And just hold on to those truths. Don't trade them in. You don't want to hold on to them if you know what you're holding on to. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I, I can only say that you are so good every time I pray because it's just so true. That's my go-to. God, you are so good. And that's the truth. I won't let go of that one because that's who you are. You are good. All the time. And all the time you are good. You never stop being good. You never will stop being good. You never have stopped being good. Even when I'm not. I thank you for that. Help us all to just cling to you and cling to who you are. Help us to dig into your word. Help us to just be excited. Help us to want to dig into your word. And on the days when we want to, but we just can't, help us to want to want to dig into your word. That's my prayer every day when I'm feeling lazy, when I'm feeling not motivated, when I'm feeling like I'm just not feeling it today. God, help me to want to want to be with you. God, I pray that for everybody here today to just want to be with you. Now, the days that we really do, but we just not, help us to want to want to be with you. God, help us to hold on to these truths that you've given to us, because you are the way, the truth, and the life. And no one will come to the Father except through you. There is no ifs, ands, or buts after that. It's only through you. Help us to not let go of any truth, to not trade in the truth for a lie, to not be deceived. Lord, guard our hearts and our minds to not trade in those truths for a lie, to question everything. Question everything from everyone. God, I pray that everybody here today questions everything that I just said so that they can find truth from who you are. 
Not from what Ben says, but from what God says. I hope that everybody questions what their pastors preach. I hope that everybody questions what their parents teach them. To back it up against your word. So that there are no gray areas, only black or white. Only what you say. Thank you, God, for who you are and for your truth. And that it is never changing. In Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for listening. It's always a good time when God's presence is with us. I hope you enjoyed it and that you tune in again for the next episode of the Monday Night Godcast.